Good morning, Eastside family. As we're worshiping in our offering after we've done so, the kids that have had the opportunity to do that, we want to let our children ages three through third grade go to junior worship. I see some faces that I'm not familiar with, with these and some children that are sitting with them. And so junior worship is uh, that direction, ages three through third grade. And um, you're welcome to take them there. The rest of us are going to stay in here. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to be really sorry when the series and the Beatitude gets over with. Jesus sat when he taught this. I thought I would. So he's standing up again when this is over. I'll begin reading in verse 1, Matthew chapter 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And our focus of attention today is verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I would say that many of us followed the recent story of a, a former Harding University graduate young man, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, I think we have a slide of his picture there, Scott Botham John. It was a young black man who was shot and killed in his Dallas, Texas apartment. The story is that a young female white Dallas police officer, after getting off work, she came home. She went to what she thought was her apartment, which was not. She went inside. He was there. She mistook him for an intruder. She shot and killed him. She was arrested, and in court, she was found guilty by a jury of murder and was given a 10-year prison sentence. And and if you follow the story throughout, throughout the whole story, throughout the, the investigation and throughout the court proceedings, there were strong feelings that, well, strong feelings by many that there was racial injustice or some levels of injustice that were at play. And maybe you weren't really aware of this story, but probably if you weren't, you became aware of this story when the young man who was killed, when his brother his name was Brant, gave, I think you would call it something like a family victim statement. And he, it, 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 there in the courtroom, 
It was video recorded. It, was, it went viral on social media. It was televised nationally. You would have to have been out in the mountains without a signal or a television to have seen this. And as he spoke to the young woman who had killed his brother, he told her that he loved her. He told her that he forgave her. He told her that he didn't even want her to go to prison for killing his brother. He told her that he hoped that through this circumstance, she would come to know Christ. And then with permission of the judge, he got up and embraced her for an extended time with a hug. And so while, while this expression, it sure seems like it, doesn't it? Like, what is mercy supposed to look like in real life? It sure seems like, well, this would be it. And though this is a beautiful display of mercy, it brought to surface a lot of debate and a lot of discussion regarding, a, I guess you would say, a tension between mercy and justice. A concern that perhaps mercy would be wrongly defined as condoning injustice. And I don't know all the details of the justice or injustice and all that was involved. It's hard to know when you're watching the news what's accurate and what's not. But to whatever degree any injustice or racial tension was involved in this story in this woman or among those who were carrying out the, the investigation, it would seem to me, or at least I would hope, that this young black man's display of mercy helped to break down whatever walls of racial animosity and injustice were at play in that story. Mercy triumphs justice or judgment. Mercy triumphs judgment. Those are the words found in chapter 2 in the New Testament letter of James, actually written in the context of unjust treatment and favoritism shown towards others. Now, I realize that by bringing up this story that I'm taking a risk of being criticized or I'm taking the risk of being misunderstood, but I think this topic is worth the risk. Jesus brings it up. And in whatever way, perhaps this morning I missed the mark, then therein lies your opportunity to practice mercy with me, as, as you do so often. So as you look more closely in Scripture at this theme of mercy... You realize when we talk about the, the debate and the discussion on both sides, the Scripture doesn't know these two sides. There is no tension between the two. They go hand in hand. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I absolutely love, I absolutely love the definition of this word mercy. It's a Greek word that comes from a, a root of, of the Hebrew and the Aramaic. It's a beautiful word from the Old Testament. And it literally means 
the ability to get right inside the other person's skin until we can see with their eyes, think with their mind, and feel with their feelings. So it's, it's not just an emotional wave of pity. It's a deliberate effort to identify with the other person until we see as they see and we feel as they feel. Mercy is not speaking up or speaking out simply for those in need or for those in the face of injustice. It's not simply speaking up. It's rolling up your sleeves in action as many of us do here at a place that we call, or that is called, Mercy's Gate. And so it's this beautiful sense of mercy getting inside someone else's skin and seeing as they see and feeling as they feel that it helps us realize that those who are living their lives contrary to the will of God, they're not disgusting and repulsive. But it, it, it melts our hearts as followers of Jesus to know they have stories and to take the gospel of Jesus to them. If your life is not devoted to helping others know Jesus Christ as Savior, you lack mercy. And it's this mercy that puts us, I am confident of this, that puts us on the path of, of resolution regarding racial issues and racial conflict, learning to get inside the, the skin of another, even if their skin is a different color than yours, and learning to see and to feel as they see and feel. And so in relationship to this story, it's this sense of mercy that, that helps you feel a sense of compassionate understanding for this dear boy's mother, Botham, John's mother, seeing and feeling as she must see and feel as a black woman who she knows the history or perhaps has even experienced the unjust treatment of those who've been in the black minority. That's, that's a reality. But it's also a mercy that gives us the eyes and the heart that allows us to get into the skin of this white female police officer and to see and to feel as she sees and feels and to know that she too has a story because you see, mercy, it doesn't take sides. And it's through the eyes and the heart of mercy that one sees through the eyes and the hearts of the broken and needy in our community that helps us not to see drunk, lazy bums. People with a story. And thus we, we're given through this mercy a heart and hands that love and care for others. It's this mercy seeing and feeling through the eyes and the heart of the one who has unjustly hurt me that puts me on the path of forgiveness, realizing that hurting people hurt people. 
Deb, I, I, I came across a, a, a Lakota Indian prayer. Perhaps you know it. The words of the prayer are, Great Spirit, help me never judge until I've walked two weeks in his moccasins. And that's what Jesus did. <laughs> he got in our skin. Like, if you want to see a living example, you want to see the, he is the, the epitome and the embodiment of what he's teaching here, of mercy. So in your life group, I've, life groups I've given you for consideration and discussion, Hebrews chapter 2 and chapter 4, where it says, since we have flesh and blood, he took it all on too. He took on our humanity. And it says, therefore, it made him to be a merciful, merciful, that's the word. It's there in Hebrews 2 and 4. A merciful high priest able to help us in our time of need. And then you dig deeper into this word, trying to define what mercy truly is, and you find out, oh, this is simply the essence of God's character. Choosing mercy is simply choosing to be like God. Luke chapter 6 tells us, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So what extent, how far do you go with this stuff? To what extent do I forgive? To what extent do I care? To what extent do I show mercy to the extent that God has shown it to you? To what extent is that? Live in Psalm 103. And he'll tell you how high and how wide and how deep that is. And he'll tell you that he does not treat us as our sins deserve, nor repay us according to our iniquities, our unjust behavior. I doubt any of us will stand before God and say, what about justice as it relates to me? If we have a healthy self-awareness, we will cry out with the words of the man in Jesus' parable, God have mercy upon me, a sinner. And you know, a lot of you know the story in John chapter 8 the self-righteous church-going hypocrites of Jesus' day, they cried out to Jesus as they brought this woman who was caught in adultery, and the law said, justice said, stone her to death. What about justice, Jesus? Jesus showed her mercy. And in doing so, he broke in to their hard hearts of injustice that were at play and their hearts of hypocrisy and their hearts, I believe, also of gender discrimination. That was a part of this story. Well, was Jesus ignoring justice by showing this woman mercy? What a stupid question. Mercy is not the absence of justice nor is it making light of and condoning or excusing injustice. True mercy flows out of true justice. A true sense of justice demands deserved punishments. It demands the consequences of injustice. Mercy in response to that gives what's not deserved. Mercy is only powerful in the sense that justice exists. And so back to our story that I introduced its lesson with is Botham, John's brother, 
showed mercy to the killer of his brother by extending love and forgiveness, then it was, wait, 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 what about justice? Let's not forget that. Justice arrested this young woman. Justice found her guilty of murder and gave a sentence. And my impression of the brother's expression of love and forgiveness and mercy was in no way saying, okay, listen, no big deal. It wasn't that. What you did didn't really matter. I mean, he was black. What does his life matter? Let's just overlook whatever injustice happened here in this story. That's not what he was saying. Anybody who would reach such a conclusion has no clue, no clue of what Jesus is talking about here in this beatitude. I would interpret this young man's expressions if they were to fit in parallel with Jesus' words. What you did was wrong. What you did was unlawful. What you did was unjust. You deserve the just consequences. My brother's life mattered. To whatever degree, racial motives were at play. That's despicable. But in spite of what you did, in spite of what you deserve, I love you. <laughs> I forgive you. That's God to us. His mercy was not the absence of justice. It flowed out of justice. Mercy and justice go hand in hand. That's what the prophet Micah is telling us. In his words, he has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Justice or mercy? No. He says to act justly, yes, and to love mercy, yes, and to walk humbly with your God. But it's not easy. Yeah, I can preach about it. This isn't easy. If we're honest, the popular writer C.S. Lewis in his British radio broadcast, which were broadcast during World War II, and they've all been compiled and put into the book Mere Christianity. In one of his broadcasts, he spoke of, of um, mercy, excuse me, of forgiveness and mercy as World War II was ending. And these were his words in speaking about forgiveness. As you gotta, if you know the story of World War II in Europe, that's a sensitive topic. Everyone, he says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea. I love the word lovely. They even say food is lovely over there. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive, as we have in wartime. And then... To mention the subject at all is greeted with howls of anger. That sort of talk makes them sick, they say. And half of you already want me to ask, I wonder how you'd feel about forgiving the Gestapo if you were a Pole or a Jew. So do I. I wonder very much. I'm not telling you in these talks what I could do. I'm telling you what Christianity is, I didn't invent it. End of quote. It's not easy. 
It's not easy. And I learned that, you know, I'm, I'm no expert about European history, but I had enough years in Czechoslovakia and the Czech Republic to see people who, who you want to talk about injustice, the face of the Gestapo, the Nazi Germany, and the, the injustice they faced with the cruelty of the socialist mentality of the Soviet Union. He's gone now, but David was here, and his wife is in a nursing home. Ilsa, you've maybe met Ilsa. She grew up in Czechoslovakia. She was there when this was happening. She gets it. And Eddie, it's so easy for you to come over here from America and to tell us, forgive, be merciful. But you don't know the injustice that we face. Let me tell you. And they did. They did. I learned. But let me tell you what. It was my observation that those who chose not to take the path of mercy towards those who treated them so unjustly, that sort of hatred and unforgiveness they held towards others, became a sword of hatred and unforgiveness they held towards themselves, creating in them hurtful, hateful, untrusting, sad, angry, and bitter people. And so this is how this beatitude, therefore, brings us into this topic of, um, of recovery. As I've mentioned before, this sermon series is a step of faith our leadership is taking, as well as our, our Sunday school class that you, some of you were in earlier, led by Bob and Baruch, on life's healing choices, helping position us in a place where we can, to a greater degree, be a, a, a healing place of helping those caught up with just like people like us, nasty habits, hurts, and hang-ups, and addictions, and sinful issues. And I believe this beatitude, it speaks into that. This beatitude is getting deep into the root of what's wrong with so many of us here and out there. It's getting into the core of our unhealthy behavior. I believe this, that not all, but many of our hurts, and hang-ups, and habits, and addictions, or, or whatever junk sinful junk you're carrying that you're struggling with, a lot of that stems from the fact that someone in the past hurt you. And it's just hard to shake it, isn't it? And you're holding on to it, and there's almost the feeling like, if I let go of that, then I'm making it like it's okay, and it's not. If I let go of that, I'm condoning that injustice and the way that they treated me. And so you hold on to the hurt done to you until all of a sudden it becomes your identity. It becomes your security blanket and it becomes the driving motive out of your behavior because you were hurt, now you've become a hurting person. You're holding something against someone else for what they have done and the one whom it's hurting the most is you. It's withholding mercy. Or maybe it's not hurt that someone else has caused you. Maybe it's hurt that you have caused. I get this. Hurt that you have caused um, 
something that you have done wrong in the past, and you, you can't shake it. You can't, you can't forgive yourself. How could you for what you did? How could God forgive you for what you did? Though he wants to. And so you hold it. And it, it, it just begins to hurt you deeper and further, the guilt. Oh, and it, and it plays out in, in your relationships with others. Oh, we need this, don't we? Oh, we need mercy. Okay, just to get a little bit more honest here. I, I, you know, I, I haven't written books on the history of this church yet. <laughs> but it's my observation that some of the hurtful behavior I see here in our church family, criticism, I see, complaining, I see, gossip, divisive behavior, divisive talk. It's not that people get up and say, I'm just going to be like that. It's people that are hurt by someone here in the past. And they see, they hear, they act, they feel, and they speak through the filter of that hurt. Just sadly, it happens. And the author, John Bevere, he calls this the, the bait of Satan. It's a trap. A trap of Satan that has in the trap the bait of, of a, what he calls offense. Someone has hurt you. Someone has offended you. And you hold on to that offense until all of a sudden what you're holding on to, it's now holding on to you. And you're like a bear in a trap. And you, somebody walks up to a bear in a trap and it's going to bite your head off. What's wrong with that bear? I am so convinced that that's at play here in our church family that for six weeks, beginning on Wednesday night and October 30th, we're going to do a study through this series entitled The Bait of Satan. And one of the beautiful things about this series is it says you can be freed from that trap. Because it's been kind of depressing up to this point, hasn't it? It's like nobody's smiling or laughing at me right now. It's kind of depressing, but it can be, you can be free. That's the good news. You've got to know it. You can, you can be free from the hurt that you have caused, the hurt that has been caused to you. And that's been affecting your behavior in unhealthy ways. I love the King James translation of Proverbs eleven seven. It says the merciful man. And, and if you have NIV, it's going to say something like the kind man. Don't be fooled by that. The kindness, it means mercy. That's that beautiful. Do a word study on hesed. And that's what the word root word for which Jesus is using mercy in this beatitude. Look what it says. The merciful man doeth good to whom? Is it there? To his own soul. But... but um, he that is cruel, who he that is not merciful, is hurting people. No, you know whom he's hurting? He troubleth his own flesh. See, we think that showing mercy and forgiveness is what we do for others, when in reality, it's good for you. It's healing. That's what Jesus is meaning partially when he says, Blessed, happy, joyful are the merciful. When you choose to hold on to hurt that you have done, or hurt that's been done to you, it robs you. You know it. Some of you know it. It robs you of your happiness. 
And so I don't believe it's simply that the merciful are blessed because God responds by showing them mercy. That is stated there. But I think there's more here. They're blessed because they're free. They're freed from the trap. When you show mercy, no guarantee of how they're going to respond. No guarantee. But you're going to be on the path of healing. So this, this brother, Brant Jean, the young man whose brother was killed, he was being interviewed on um, Good Morning America. And, you know, they're just kind of spinning their heads. Man, what about that that you did in the courtroom? Could you explain that? Did you see this? He said, this is what you have to do to set yourself free. I don't even think this guy's in college yet. This is what you have to do to set yourself free, Jean explained. I didn't plan on living the rest of my life hating this woman. There's some people that are living their lives hating someone, and it's hurting them. I didn't plan on doing that, he said. I know that there's something called peace of mind. That's the type of stuff you have to do to have peace of mind. It's the fifth of life's healing choice. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.